Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics. All right, let's start the podcast now. Um, I have a new jingle I wanted to run by you guys. You guys, Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics. Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics. Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics. Oh, 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 don't be say oh, oh. Is that hot? Is that a real candle? It is a real candle. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Well done. Very well done. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Today's a very special episode because we have a guest on the pod. Our uh, third guest (laughs) ever is a very special guest. His name is Austin Drews, a.k.a. Alux, a.k.a. Austin Luxury, an amazing rapper out of Lincoln, Nebraska. And Austin, although I haven't seen you in many years, I do still love you. Do you love me is my first Uh, question. That is obviously yes. And I would say great rapper is a bit of a stretch. Uh, I, I get by. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy that it's been so very long, but it doesn't even feel like it's been that long at all. I know, it's, man. It's, I, it's, I think it's kind of like one of those things where you meet people in your life and they just vibe with you. You have very similar energies. And like whether it's been five days or five years, you feel like you never really stop the conversation. That's that's definitely the the feeling that I get whenever I get to talk to you guys. Like Keaton called me before that concert the other day and was like, hey, man. And I'm like, dude, didn't I just see you like 20 minutes ago? Yeah, <laughs> I know, man. It, it did feel that way. When I saw your face on the Zoom, it felt like no time had passed at all since we were chilling in my parents' basement, being high and goofing around and watching <laughs> stupid movies. <laughs> but uh, no, thank you so much uh, for being on the pod. We're really excited to have you. We have a lot of questions um, for you personally about your new mixtape, which we'll get into, and also just about um your rap career thus far and what it's been sure. like but first um i didn't watch the oscars did anything exciting happen first year ever where nothing happened literally fucking nothing happened lots of will smith jokes mm. yeah i know keep Keaton and I were talking about this before the pod. We were like, should we bring that up? It, maybe it's old news at this point, and maybe people have uh, been talking about it too much. But I did want to get your take on it, Austin, and maybe hear everyone else's too. I mean, yeah, if 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 I gave a shit about award shows, I probably would have cared more. Um, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not the biggest award show kind of guy, which is interesting considering I want to win like all the awards. Um, <laughs> But I thought, like, at first I was like, oh, this is fake. This has to be fake. I'm like, there's the Oscars is like, nobody cares anymore and they need to drum something up. And like, why not? And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, but why would they do that? Like, there's so there would be so many other avenues to like drum something up. And, you know, the, the powers that be would probably do something a lot cornier than something like that. So I was like, oh, this is actually very real. And then, the more I think what drives me the craziest about it is how much like it's just completely taken over Twitter to where I can't like tweet about my stupid degenerate gambling on sports. Instead, <laughs> I have to read all this stuff about Will Smith. And again, like I don't care about award shows and like best picture. So that's kind of my take on it is like it was wild. I thought it was fake. Turns out it was real. 
I think we're all dumber for it. Like <laughs> we deserve it at this point to just be constantly distracted by nonsense. But I mean, he, he went with the open slap. If he went with the, the closed fist hook, I, dude, Chris rock probably would have been RIP would on that stage. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. This, the slap was an interesting choice. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you. That, that's what Keaton and I were wondering or wanted to talk about is, you know, there's been all this talk on the internet of if it's staged or not. And I had the same thing. I was like, first off, if it was staged, Chris Rock would have been, made a way funnier joke than he did. I do think oh, yeah. he handled it amazingly well, but you know, it wasn't. And then, yeah, it would have been like a silly bit. I, they would have come up with something. Uh, the best thing I heard from that was like the joke he should have made was like, man, you see him this way in March. Just imagine him in August, like, <laughs> which would have been hilarious given her Jada's indiscretions with August Alsina. But man, like, dude, you're, I don't know. People got their stuff. Like they're a married couple. That's fine. But like you're gonna smack a dude over making one like little remark versus alopecia. Yeah, I I don't know. And we should be sensitive to alopecia, but I didn't know that. I didn't know she had alopecia. I doubt he did. Yeah, I had to explain to my mom what alopecia was. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, It's not cancer. I'm like, Yeah, no, (laughs) it's not cancer. So it's it's not that bad. I mean, she has a lot of sick wigs and shit. Oh, yeah, that's, it was Ju- Julian Cam. Do you guys have a, a take on it? A hot take. Um, the f- the my favorite part was like a couple days after, um, the whole thing happened. Some someone released a video of like the view from the audience, like behind Jada, like right after Will Smith slapped the shit out of Chris Rock, and. Uh, She's just like laughing and like clapping. She's like, yay, he hit the man for me. It's just oh, like, wow. I didn't know she did that. <laughs> yeah, that's oh that's that's what changed my opinion the most was like at first it was like, you know, Will Smith was like, yeah, I stepped out of line. I fucked up. I feel bad. But even further than that is like Jada doesn't feel fucking bad. So like, fuck her. And like, furthermore. It, rich lady lost her hair. Oh no, rich lady lost her fucking hair. Wear a wig. You're rich as fuck. Like, I've heard other comedians make this point in like a joking way, but in like a serious way, just wear a fucking wig and then people won't make bald jokes anymore. Like, <laughs> you're either not sensitive about it or you are. And like, if you're sensitive about it, just yeah, cover that shit up. I mean, yeah, Do she's like still Elon hot. Musk. She's still fucking rich <laughs> as shit. I mean, she can still ultimately do whatever the fuck she wants. So, like, I can't feel too bad for her. It is funny, though. Like, my final thought on the whole thing is it is funny how much. And I think this goes into Austin's point uh, pretty well. Um, It's just funny how much media like celebrity bullshit consumes the zeitgeist. Like, there's a war going on right now. There's a pandemic. I don't want to be like the old man, like yelling at fucking trains. But like, I mean, there's so much going on right now. And this is all we've talked about for like days. Well, dude, I studied broadcasting and journalism in undergrad. And like to see how it's been completely just skull fucked by corporate greed and hot take isms and the 
the instant gratification ism of just and and the collective like really short attention span of everybody that it's to that point like taking over the zeitgeist it's just a slap in the face to my entire education <laughs> like of like just you know like good journalism of like asking questions and like finding the root of the issue and like you know reporting on something that's uh, an actual big deal like the people that reported on like Watergate would look at this shit and just instantly, I don't know, like take a cyanide capsule. They'd be like, I don't <laughs> want to live in this timeline anymore. It's so gross. It's so gross. And like, yeah, the there used to be like, I don't know, finesse used to be like a little bit of grace and like dignity to a disagreement. And now it's just, oh, you said a mean joke. I hit you in the face. Like, yeah, is that well, really what it's come to? The precedent it sets for comedians. Yeah, pr- comedians or can't tell any, jokes anybody now. Anybody that says anything, it's like, it, what, you just, you can just walk on the stage now? Like, think about some dude in some tiny club in LA or New York just trying to, like, make it. You know, he's he's 32 years old, giving it a shot. Like, he's been playing the circuit and finally gets a bigger gig, makes some wise crack, and the dude out of the front row hits him or, like, stabs him or something. And it's like, oh, well, Will Smith did it. People are that stupid. Like, people yeah. are that dumb to just be like, oh, well, dude, Will Smith got away with it. It's like, to your point, he's rich as fuck. He can do that. You can't do that. Sit down. Are you telling yeah, me I can I stab well people? Said. Yeah, it has a... Uh... And comedy, you know, a common sentiment amongst comedians already has been like because of cancel culture, because of all the other forces in the world, like there's already a lot of limitations put on what what comedians can say. And now that it's like escalated to physical violence on such a large stage, it's even more damaging. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think that's and the fact that no one, no one really condoned it, like or like spoke against it either way like no one said anything everyone just pretended like it didn't fucking happen which like they we gave all- him an award <laughs> yeah. they gave him an award after and they, they were, were like, like here you go they were like hey man would you consider <laughs> like fuck? would you consider like leaving because you kind of caused a scene and he was like no nah, i'm not leaving and they were like all right sounds good all right we'll send denzel over he'll calm him down yeah and then denzel says some denzel shit like yeah, he steals like the scene all the time. Yeah. Life yeah. is a train, boy, and you gotta catch the boxcar that's heading Dude, south. I'm just saying, Scientology has to be one hell of a fucking drug, man. Like, gee, with yeah. what it has done to people is just wild. Yeah, indeed, I know. Yeah, that was some uh, uh, in like uh, the more violent end of the spectrum of a Tom Cruise type move. You know what Will mm-hmm. Smith did. Um, yeah, I don't instead of punching Tom, a couch talking about loving Katie Holmes, it's slapping a guy who made a joke at your wife's comedian. Yeah. It wasn't even well, at her expense though. He was he he was like, Hey, I love you, dude. Like <laughs> yeah, it was a joke. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, okay. I'm glad we touched on that. And I'm also glad that we touched on how multinational media conglomerates are conspiring against the people to push the agenda of the ultra rich and essentially strip us of our true nature and our divinity. Hey, Um, hey, hey, but you get freedom. (laughs) So and iPhones. So how bad could it be, man? Yeah, you're right. Trade offs. Nothing's perfect. Um, 
but okay. kind of, sorry, I don't want to tangent this whole thing right off no, the bat, good. but I just have to say mad respect to you for the background tonight, Colin. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I was very saddened uh, to hear about Bruce Willis and um, this background is from Moonrise Kingdom, which is a Wes Anderson movie and uh, one of my favorite Bruce Willis roles. So are you a cinephile? Um, I, I would identify as somewhat of a cinephile. I do love movies. I love going deep on uh, directors and, and classic films. Yeah. We should all pour some out for Bruce Willis. That's a really shitty situation. I actually yeah. got some chairlift warmer right here. It's not degreaser. It's um, peppermint schnapps. So if y'all are ready to pour one out for Bruce, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange thing to have so readily yeah, accessible. on hand. <laughs> we got to talk after this camp. Right. Yeah. Is, is it chilled? I think you have a is problem. It it's, it's nice lukewarm room temperature peppermint schnapps. Even better. <laughs> if it's not warm, then yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Dude, that just takes me back to like my first weekend of undergrad drinking like warm burnettes at a party where i know like maybe half of one person and just getting wasted on it to the point where i like passed out and threw up in the backyard and like woke up later and saw like sirens uh (laughs) flashing and stuff and it wasn't like to bust the party it was because of a fight that happened outside of the party but my 18 year old dumbass is like oh i should probably leave (laughs) it looks like they're rolling this they're here for me probably yeah uh good times well let's get into more of your most shameful drunken moments a little bit later austin i'd love to touch on that um few and far between (laughs) um i do want to get into the Mm mixtape that you recently released uh released cruise ship um for all of our listeners uh truly like i mean this honestly man i was really impressed by the entire um mixtape I, I loved all the songs i have a list of lyrics here i was going to read off later um because i, I you truly are an ama- amazing lyricist um and it was yeah like honestly really really enjoyable thank you um so i just wanted to maybe ask about um what the process was like how it came about when you started working on it really whatever you want to talk about relating to the to the mixtape yeah. Uh, so for cruise ship in particular, um, it was kind of one of those things where, I mean, I started making music like five ish years ago and more than anything, I just wanted to actually sound competent. Cause like, if you go back and listen to some of my stuff that when I first put it out, like if I could do it over again, I probably wouldn't have any releases until I had gotten to something of like cruise ships quality. Um, <clears throat> but I also am kind of happy that I do have that stuff out because it kind of shows the progress. Um, But like with cruise ship in particular, I wanted to do something that was still kind of my same nature of like, I'm this goofy, like male white stoner that just really appreciates rap music and making sing songy stuff. And, you know, kind of make it a little bit more serious and less about me just hanging out and masturbating and more about like hard hitting issues and like dealing with, you know, anxiety and, and dealing with like imposter syndrome and, and dealing with, um, I don't know, a lot of like complex feelings of, of 
like self-actualization that we all kind of deal with. You know, anytime you're hanging out, it's like Tuesday night at 9 p.m. and you just are second guessing everything in your life for no particular reason. Um, I wanted to have a little bit more of like that in in the music. So um, I was kind of putting together some collections of songs. Uh, I found a couple of producers on Reddit. Uh, one, she goes by Rose Beats. I actually don't know if her name's actually Rose, but if it is, um, she goes by Rose Beats and her Insta is Rose Beats 09. She makes awesome shit. And I saw her hit me with a few things and I actually was the first person to lease beats from her. So that was like really cool to help like get her career going. Um, not to say that like I'm the person that did it, but like to be the person that was the first to buy her beats and lease her beats was, was pretty cool. Um, and she had the beats for cruise ship, um, toxic and, uh, lunch break. But when I heard the one for cruise ship, I was like, holy fucking shit. And the flow just hit me immediately. I'd been listening to a lot of juice world at the time. And I was like, yes, like, this is just it. And I did a recording and I showed it to my wife and she fucking hated it. She was like, you sound nasally. Like your vocals are way too hot in the mix. Like it's overpowering. I can't hear the instrumental. And I was like, okay, okay. Okay. Go back to the drawing board, completely re-record. And that's where you have it, what it is now. Um, and the rest of the project just kind of rolled from there. Uh, I found another couple of guys from Reddit. Um, one of my main producers, his name is Austin, but his, uh, his producer name is Scalloper. He did, uh, the beat for medicine. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones that he had on there. Uh, but medicine, medicine, he did the, basically all the production for that. So like he made the beat mixed my vocals in mixed Terry, who's uh, I am polar. He mixed his vocals in uh, and did that whole mix and master process. So he and I work together pretty consistently. Now we'll send stuff back to each other all the time. He lives out in New York. Um, and yeah, so it was just kind of this, I'm getting a little long winded, but it was just kind of this compilation of like, I want to make stuff that's still kind of true to me and my goofy character that I'd like to play on the mic, but also make stuff that's a little bit more serious, but to bring that production value all the way up to a new level and have some producers on there that would also want to assist in that production process, but have, you know, something to share for their portfolio and their fan base as well. Yeah, man. No, great answer. And you touched on a lot of things I want to talk about, especially the production, because I was impressed by the quality of the production all the way through. Um, and I was going to ask about who you collaborated with on the beats and everything. Um, so no, that's fantastic. Um, I do have more questions, but I don't want to hawk the floor. Uh, Keaton, Julian, Cam, anything to interject? I just wanted um, to say uh, I've never met you before and... I didn't know you were a rapper, obviously, because I didn't know who you were. So when I got the text to go listen to you, I was like, yeah, I was in completely blind. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And just mirroring kind of what Colin said, the the lyricism is incredible. And it, after hearing what you just said, I feel a little bit better about what I was going to say, which is just that like, seems like you're like playing some kind of almost character in some of the songs, but there's like a transcendence beyond that into like some serious conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and the production is very, very good. Like it stands out, it's unique and it does sound like it comes from 
an educated place. It's not just like slapping some beats together. So yeah, I mean, I was highly impressed and I think your lyricism stands for itself, man. It fucking slaps. I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I think what gets difficult and you guys can definitely appreciate this as musicians is like, it's, it's always so subjective. So like, sometimes I'll put together something and somebody be like, Oh, that's fire. Like I'll send it to somebody else. I'm like, that's corny. I'm like, all right, well, how do I strike a balance to like people that like it will love it. And people that wouldn't like it normally will at least appreciate it. So I think that's kind of where this tape in particular fits is for people that, don't like my music or more than anything, don't really like me, they can hear it and know, okay, he at least gave a shit about it. He wanted it to sound right. He wanted vocals to sound mixed. He wanted stuff to hit where it's supposed to. I started playing with stereo space a lot more mixing, uh, layering vocals a lot more when I was mixing. So like to just be in that balance where the couple of people that really like my shit will really, really like it. And then, um, you know, some other bigger producers or bigger artists, if they hear it, they're like, Oh, okay. I I could see myself like featuring this guy at some point. Yeah, absolutely, man. And to expand on a lot of what Julian was just saying and what you've said, you know, maybe it's because I know you personally, but I think it is because you just did this really well, but you uh, jumped very seamlessly from being very sincere and then also to being kind of like more tongue in cheek. Um, I don't know how to say it, but, you know, a little bit cheeky, I guess, but in a very yeah. self-aware way <laughs> where I could tell it was a deliberate choice and you were doing it for a reason, not just because you were trying to mirror the motifs you hear on a lot of rap songs today. It was, it was done in a self-aware and, and uh, yeah, very thoughtful way, I thought. I try to strike that balance between like, young thug behind me and like little dicky but not like to that extent because he was a real big like early influence or i was like oh, i'll do like the funny t- rap type thing but i'm like no like i don't like that niche isn't really me either like i want my bars to be funny but i don't want like my entire sound to be funny mm-hmm. and that's where there's more of the young thug in there like he's got a a bar on uh on halftime where he's like i want your pizza little c's a bitch I'm like, I want to do shit like that. That's hilarious. Like, yeah. But he's not trying to be funny. He just is funny. Yeah. And the music is still really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing too, is you want the music to be good. Cause if it's not, then what's the fucking point? Yeah. I was going to ask too, what was the, I love the album art on your latest release. Um, Like what was the influence behind that? Did you do that as well? Or I, totally cheated so it's a like photo filter app i saw an ad on instagram it was like oh i'll try this and that's actually a picture my wife took of me we were coat shopping in the middle of uh like november um i needed a new winter coat and we were at a shields um and so that's like me in front of the coat rack and shields and i just threw that filter on it and i was like money <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up, Keaton, because I was going to ask if it was taken in a Jax sporting. Oh, mix. yeah. Well, it looks like a, a Jax a little bit. <laughs> oh, it would have been a good guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like the artwork too. Um, I, I did, like I said earlier, I identified some some lyrics I just wanted to touch on. Um, all of them are from, I guess, the titular track, a cruise ship, um, because <laughs> I thought that was. Uh, 
a, like interesting track because it was uh i went back and listened to it and i was like man i can't believe this track is less than three minutes because i feel like you packed in a lot of good stuff in that short amount of time and uh it did resonate with me a lot um which is cool to find hip-hop that resonates with me um but some of my favorite lyrics were uh people think i'm happy tell them listen to my slow shit I've been so depressed. It's like my eyes are super soakers. Um, what did, I can't read my head right on this. Oh, life is like a game and I had never had controllers. I loved all of those lines because when I first heard them, they had kind of a lighter touch. And I was almost like, oh, I think he's kind of uh, addressing depression and anxiety and to use this phrase again, tongue in cheek way. But then when I listened back to it, I was like, those are actually very hard hitting and impactful lines. Um, and it was interesting to think about a, a rapper rapping like pretty sincerely about mental health in that way in a track like that. So I just I want to ask kind of what that process was like, what it was like writing those lyrics. If you did feel self-conscious at all, kind of putting yourself out like that. Uh, I don't know what I, you think. I, I feel self-conscious about everything all the time. Um, I think that like self-consciousness and confidence kind of are, are a yin and a yang. Like you have to be self-conscious and self-aware in order to be confident. Um, and so like, I, I like to put myself out there and I like to be expressive and I like to let people in, uh, especially through a musical way. So with that song, I think I was just kind of in my feels for a little while and was kind of feeling that like, uh, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Like I'm getting a master's degree, but I don't know if I even care. Like, am I ever going to have any money, you know, like not living paycheck to paycheck, just kind of like problems that are on a, grand scale, not really big problems, but they're problems to me. So like how I can use that in a way to not like have people pity me necessarily, but to be like, okay, like that's, that's relative to me or like, that's something relatable to me or something that I think would be reasonable. So like with something like that, um, I don't personally have like diagnosed depression. I have diagnosed anxiety, but um, I have a lot of friends that do. And so I like to channel kind of their experience. I have one friend in particular that has some pretty serious anxiety, depression, and I like to channel his perspective a lot when I write stuff, um, especially things about like toxic ex-girlfriends, because I don't have too, too much experience in that department, um, but he does. So I like to kind of bounce stuff off of him and like get that perspective. So that's kind of where cruise ship was. It was like me feeling pretty down, but then wanting to expand that and like really embellish that feeling of just like, I feel stagnant and I feel like I'm not going to make any progress on anything. And like, yeah, I make this silly upbeat music, but if you listen to the really slow stuff, it's actually really fucking depressing. And it's just a different side of the, of the artist. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, I, I could keep going, but again, I, I don't any interjection from the crowd. 
Yeah, I was going to say, um, Austin, I came in listening to your music from a very similar place Julian did. And I listened to like more of your, like, um, just when you first click on your discography, like those songs. And I noticed like the kind of like how you said funny or like more upbeat stuff. And then I listened to this, the, the titular song that Colin mentioned. And I couldn't help but notice like the more depressing themes. Also, even in, I didn't catch it the first time around, but even in the bars, Colin was just relaying back to us. Um, like I noticed the kind of underlying theme of making the analogy and like tying back to youth like the depression and the super soakers line and the controllers like with the game line like those are often motifs of youth and like stuff you do as a child and i think that because like obviously um one of the when i'm like when i experience like the um you know those feelings of depression and stuff i often find myself longing for like the past and that kind of stuff so i'm wondering if like if you took inspiration from your memories and we're tying those together with that yeah i mean that was really very well like said well stated i, oh, I don't question when i was making stuff i don't i don't know that it was um that deep like from something i was paying attention to but subconsciously i'm sure that that's definitely yeah totally, because totally. because i mean i'd be lying to you if i didn't like say that yeah i like and i love what i have now and like the experiences that i have now and you know, I'm not like super old. I'm 26, but like, but to be a kid again, man. to be a kid yeah. again, man, like we all miss that. And like, what's, what's the adage? It's like, there's a time in every parent's life where they pick up their kid for the last time and they don't know it. Damn, like, it's yeah, like, we get sure. those, those things all the time. Like when we were kicking it and chilling in y'all's basement, being stupid, getting high on ditch weed at like 18, like at some <laughs> point there was the last time that we did that. And I'm sure that my subconscious all the time when I make music, especially stuff that's either more of an upbeat song or like more of a tongue in cheek line, it calls back to that youthful, like, man, sometimes it'd be cool to just be like 15 for two weeks. Yeah. That's absolutely. really well said, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's interesting too. The underlying subconscious thing. That's awesome. And I, I totally listened to the song and like, I, I guess, just, you know, just didn't hit it. When Colin was repeating, I'm like, I didn't even notice that. Like, it's fascinating. Did you notice yeah. it, Colin, when you were writing them down? No, and that's really funny, yeah, because the two lines I had to point out had uh, controllers, video game controllers, presumably, and, and super soakers. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a good catch game. Um, and good bars, Austin. <laughs> I, I could spend the whole podcast reciting... Uh, lines from the songs that I really loved. I did just want to touch on one more though, which was the Phoebe Bridgers reference you made. Yes. What song was that in again? Uh, that's in Medicine. We that get medicine. motion sickness, Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. I love Medicine was one of my favorite tracks too, but uh, I just I loved that Phoebe Bridgers reference. I thought that was uh, I don't know very well placed and uh, I, I fucking love that song me. so much. Yeah. Especially because my dude Terry comes on, he's like, Polo! Yeah. I'm aiming for the top, peak good amount, and claiming that spot. He's just got so much yellow wolf in his style. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, and that's a good uh, segue actually, because you, you've mentioned Yuck Thug, you mentioned Little Dicky, uh, mentioned Juice World. I did want to just ask about your other um, influences and how conscious those were going into the making of, of these, of this collection of songs. I'd say of, uh, of late juice world has probably been my biggest, um, young thugs, my favorite rapper of all time. 
which wasn't always the case. I didn't really start getting onto him until I was out of college. Um, I think he had dropped Jeffrey when I really started to, and that might've been when I was still in college, regardless. Um, so a lot of juice roll, a lot of young thug, uh, actually the kid Leroy, I think his music is so fucking good. I can't even stand it. Like I know he's got the like Uber poppiness now. And like he's 17 talking about sipping all this Henny and I'm like, who the hell's buying you Henny? But like he, he's just so talented. I'm like, man, I would kill to have vocal range like that and a natural vibrato like that. And just being able to just sound so like, whiny and angry but like so on key at the same time so i love a lot of his stuff um i don't make a lot of music like trippy red but i love a lot of trippy red's music um but then there's a lot of like pop punk influences too so like everything going back to blink 182 or like really og fallout boy um i listen to a lot of a day to remember so kind of bringing in not so much of their style but you know, those kind of sadder, harder themes. Uh, I would say that those are kind of the ones that really stick out. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Black Cheeto. Uh, he and I have never met, but he makes such good music. And I've had him feature on two songs. And I'm sure he looks at every time I DM and is like this fucking guy again. But his shit goes so hard and it makes me want to make music every time I hear it. And it's like, I'm not necessarily trying to make what he makes but when he does release stuff like his album oxcord hero made me like so badly want to make something even close to that good so right on black cheeto you said yep cheeto with a right v on. so like ch v wait black sorry i'm so that was so bad cut that <laughs> blva or blvck so like the v is in black gotcha. and then cheeto is spelled like cheeto Okay. Shout out Black Cheeto. Yeah, dude. His music's yeah. awesome. Uh, any, any other questions? Because I, I do have a uh, sort of topic changing question that I, I did want to bring up, but I don't want to take it off the music prematurely. So okay. Off me. I just I just have one rap related question. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> um, what do you think of Freddie Gibbs? So I don't really listen to Freddie Gibbs, which is I don't know. It might be a controversial take, but I understand that he is incredibly successful and I understand that he's somewhat polarizing. Um, from what I know and what I have heard, I, he's a talented rapper. I would say that he does a really nice job of using newer school influences, but still being more of an old school rapper, which I think it's kind of difficult to do. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't listen to as much freddie gibbs so i should probably dive back into his discography is he one of your favorites um well yes and no so the main reason i asked you is just because at you, your style and, and your beats didn't necessarily like remind me of him but just the switching between kind of being like colin said tongue-in-cheek and and going back onto serious shit really quickly or even referencing very serious shit in a tongue-in-cheek way is something that I feel like Freddie Gibbs does a lot. So I was just curious, like mm -hmm. if that was any sort of, again, like underlying influence, but I mean, there's so many of those types of rappers out there. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I guess Freddie Gibbs, I just liked him a lot when I first discovered him because 
he does remind me of, of a lot of really old school guys, like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but he does take some pretty new school influence as well. But lately, yeah, he's said some shit where I don't like fully agree with him. So I try to just remove the art from the artist a little bit, but uh, overall, yeah, very talented dude. I was just, yeah, super curious if he was in your world at all. Cause mm-hmm. again, like, I don't know, even, even like juice world to a certain extent, does that thing where he switches back and forth really quickly between mm-hmm. like being uh, just kind of like a nonchalant tongue in cheek dude. And then saying like some serious shit, his bars are insane, especially yeah. like with how well he could freestyle. It was, it was crazy. Um, and I, I think we're going to probably get a lot of juice world music for a long time. Cause I think he's got like 2000 songs in the vault that the label is just going to keep pumping out posh posthumously. Crazy. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I did want to ask this actually. It reminded me as, as you were naming your influences, you do have a very melodic style um, to your rapping. Was, you know, when you first started rapping, was that something that was conscious? Did you just find that sort of melodic? I think you called it sing songy voice um, right away, or was it something you've consciously developed? That's been more of a development. Um, mm-hmm the early the first mixtape that i like officially officially put out that wasn't on soundcloud was um was called nature boy and and there's a few songs in there like the first single that i put out was called love that's a little bit more sing-songy but even then you can kind of hear like the earliness of my rapping where i'm just more than anything trying to stay on key versus or like stay on beat versus like actually like deliver a bar um so there's not a ton of that especially early on but as i started to get into um the first grad school album i did or mixtape i did i call them albums interchangeably but they technically are all mixtapes but um that one has a song called uh have faith on there that i really liked uh and i wish that i had like the knowledge i do now because i sure i can make that song fucking awesome but uh it's that's where i really wanted to do more of that melodic sing-songy that that song is very heavily influenced by post malone um so i would say it, it was definitely more of a development over time instead of initially kind of starting out on a goofy like little dicky type rap gotcha okay can i ask a somewhat sidebar question um, you can ask I don't me anything. Derail, so I'm sorry. Um, do. Just, I'm very curious. You said you started making music like five, six years ago. Uh, what was your approach? Uh, okay, so what what drew you in? What made you decide like I'm gonna start making music? And then what was your approach to like making those first songs? Did you like have the words first were you writing words first or writing like melodies and stuff or did that all stuff kind of like find you um so i've always really even going back to being a kid have always kind of had big aspirations of being a rapper i think that every nerdy white kid from a suburb in america has that dream so it's not like i'm special but uh i think that that's kind of where it comes from. Um, but was always so timid. I was always so afraid. I was, I was like, Oh, what are people going to think? Or what if I'm no good? And then 
when I was in college, there was uh, actually a dude who I went to the school with freshman year. And then another guy, um, this dude, he goes by skate, but he like dropped out of school and moved to LA. And uh, he like is on Wiz Khalifa's label now, or like his buddies with Wiz Khalifa. And I'm like, all right, well, that's fucking cool. So he kind of was an inspiration to be like, Hey, why don't you actually try it? Cause you never know what could happen. Um, but it wasn't until I was out of college and moved back to the town. I went to college in Hastings where I was like, fuck it. I'm trying it. Like I got a MacBook, started playing in garage band, started messing with their loops and making beats and tried to make my own. And then eventually was like, I'm just going to do whatever I can to like rap on these. And I'm just going to keep trying and trying and trying. And I bought a couple different mics and, um, you know, a little sound baffling and tried to just upgrade the setup. And it's just become second nature now. Like it's, it's my favorite thing to do. Um, it's my favorite way to like spend time. If I have 15 minutes to an hour or whatever, be like, all right, well, let me see if I can write something out. So, um, once I started getting some beats down and my, my beats are terrible. So I was more of like a mixer than an actual producer. But, uh, then I started to kind of write out some ideas of, um, here's an idea for a song or like, here's an idea for a theme, um, writing and words come very easily to me. It's, it's a, I get that from my mom. She's an English teacher. So like hooks and shit, I can just, if I have an idea for the melody, like I can kind of put together something or scroll Twitter to come up with an idea for a hook. So it was kind of like, okay, now how do I start to craft stuff out from there? So I kind of get the flow I want, then I can kind of come up with a few ideas and themes, and then I start to write the words. That's crazy. I have so much trouble coming up with words. I'm like good at writing, but when it comes to like coming up with words for songs, I like draw blanks constantly. And it, it yeah, again, it seems like you never ever have that problem because you just go. I do hit writer's block bar like, to bar to bar. I, I do have the problem of hitting writer's block. And I think more than anything, it's getting repetitive. So it's not so much that like I just have all this shit to say. It's that I've said the same thing twice or three times. Um, I think there's a few times where there's like three different times on the tape when I listen back to it, where I use the phrase fade away in like three different contexts across three different songs. Like if I were to break that down and critique myself, like that's a phrase that is used on three different songs. Like, does that feel lazy to which I'd say to myself, probably. So I'd say that like, stuff comes to me really easily, but I think where I struggle is like that really good fine tuning to make it original, not only like for the sound, but original to what I've already made in my catalog. Well, at least you're paying attention to that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people who don't give a shit about being repetitive. Nope. I mean, I listen to a shitload of young boy too. And that man said, I got a glizzy on it in like probably every track. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a good term to repeat at least it's a good one <laughs> young boy is so fucking funny <laughs> i was hilarious uh, whenever like um rappers and lyricism comes up in conversation i always think about um how eminem like used to when he would when he was writing lyrics he would have an open dictionary and just flip 
through the dictionary and just find words and just try to match that word with what he'd already written. And that's where he kind of gave credit to like developing his such unique ability to like blend different sounds together. It's so fascinating. Something J. Cole has talked about is he's like, take your notes app or your notebook or whatever, pick like one word and then try to write out every single thing that you can think of that rhymes with it. He's like, mm-hmm. then write your lines from there. That's just like a good memory exercise too, in general. Like that's why it's yeah. your brain as it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I've been on J. Cole since he was like, not when he was first coming up, but like before he dropped Forest Hills. So like before yeah. he got real big, um, the first song I heard by J. Cole was lights, please. And I was like, man, like this just has so much soul to it. And it like, mm-hmm. just has so much. So that's kind of the J. Cole I grew up on. Haters say he's corny. I disagree. Um, I disagree but you. you can just, you can tell like how much effort he puts into the lyricism and like how he wants stuff to like, not only flow like bar to bar, but like the entire stanza to like lead into the next one and to keep playing on it. And he's, he's very much a poet in that regard that like the whole verse is supposed to encapsulate itself versus a lot of like just one-off lines that people do that I do a lot. Yeah. I'm really curious now, at least cause I'm a couple of years younger than you guys, obviously when J Cole was first coming up, like in my grade and my friends, we had never seen a faster turnaround from someone being absolutely despised by the like, general masses to just loved and like adopted and adored. Like people, it was like, it was cool to hate on J Cole, at least like in my group. And then like he, and then four sales dropped and it was like, this dude knows music. And it was like the gnarliest turnaround I've seen in a rapper. I think. Was that how it was for y'all? I wasn't aware that he got too much hate before that. I don't it know. It could have just been, I don't know. That might have just, it could have been an anomaly with your group. But I mean, I've got one friend in particular that likes to shit on J. Cole because he's just like, you're rich now. Like, stop rapping about being a regular guy. And it's like, okay, like, that's, that's your hate. Like, okay. Like, what's your comment on the actual song? Yeah, Yeah, seriously. He has tons of flexes in his music now. Like so much of his music is flexing and it's like, you kind of have to, at that point, like the, yeah. the easiest way to come up with songs is to rap about what, you know. So if what, you know, is a shitload of money, but you still like, like to have dusty sneakers, like, okay, that's probably how his song is going to sound. Yeah. And like a lot of his music is like, like wet dreams, for example, it's so relatable because and like, you don't have to be rich and famous, like, you know, give a funnier kind of song like that where everyone can relate, like, just, like stupid shit like that. Like, that's just that's a stupid hate. Yeah, it's stupid hate. He probably appreciates the music, but doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, Austin, you've been very generous with your time. You are one hour ahead being in Lincoln, Nebraska. So you're in the, the central time zone of America. Um, so you know, we don't want to keep you on too long. I did have one final line of inquiry for you. I saw on your Instagram bio that you're a big Chelsea FC guy. I am, unfortunately, uh, for most people. Yeah, how long have you been a Chelsea fan? When'd you get into uh, that? Are you really, enjoying yourself this season? If the Ricketts by the club, I'm gonna fucking jump in front of a bus. Uh, so <laughs> I, same friend, Jay Cole hater, hater, his name's Tyler. Uh, shout out Shu. He he's an enormous Chelsea fan, huge. And I hung out with him, and I I have really turned into an enormous football fan in the last like year and change really since the pandemic. And when it came back and and soccer was the only thing on, I just, and I started playing FIFA all the time and now I'm just addicted to it. I'm like, you know, drawing up formations. I'm like, Oh, this is how your tactics should look like. This is how you should play. I'm like, I've never hardly kicked a ball in my life. 
Um, so Shu, one of my other friends, uh, you guys may or may not remember Dalton. He, uh, he's a huge Tottenham fan. And so I was kind of a loose, like on again, off again, like Spurs guy. Um, and that's no fun for anybody. Tottenham is just fucking garbage. So I chose some agency and I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually pick a club that like I'm going to pick. And it was between Chelsea and Liverpool. And I hung because we had another buddy uh, who lived with us for a while. I was a huge Liverpool fan. And I was like, oh, people's club. Like that could be something easily. You know, I like Mo Salah. Like, you know, it's a whole thing. And then uh, I was watching the Champions League final with my friend Shu and his passion. And like just watching the game with him and when Chelsea won and he's just like, yeah, take that pep, go fuck yourself. It's like, you fucking <laughs> suck. Tuchel's got your fucking balls in his trophy case. Like go fuck yourself. And, it, and so I was like, word for word. That's what he was saying. Uh, so I was like, yep. All right. I'm on board. I'm so, in. and I've just been, been Chelsea FC guy ever since. So not uh, the origin story of my fandom that, you know, garners the most appreciation kind of doing that little <laughs> switch across London, but, um, you know, I like it. I think that the loss to Brentford over the weekend was fucking embarrassing. <laughs> um, obviously they're not going to win the league. Uh, they probably either get bounced this week or then their next matchup in champions league, but I'm hoping new ownership cares as much as Abramovich did. Uh, I hope that they can go buy Declan rice this summer and have another monster to clean up in the midfield. Um, and you know, I like it. I like cheering for the blues. I like keeping that blue flag flying high. And, uh, it's, it's just fun to have, have a club and have a new sport. That's, that's something that I didn't really grow up with and something that I can appreciate as an adult, have that kind of novel experience. That's cool, man. Yeah. I was curious because I'm, uh, a very casual premier league follower and fan. I, uh, my origin story towards fandom is, uh, makes yours seem super strong. I pretty arbitrarily put, um, picked Man City to support mm-hmm. because it was Noel Gallagher's favorite football club. And uh, a lot of my other favorite uh, bands loved Man City. And so I was like, I'm a Man City fan now. And so <laughs> I keep up with it as much as I can. Uh, I mean, that, it's fun. I personally fucking hate Man City, but like there are worse clubs to pick. Yeah. Like, you know, you could pick like united or something which would just be awful that'd be but, awful i yeah. know i knew but i knew well enough even then having almost no knowledge of the premier league that man united was not cool to yeah no to like. it's, it's not and i i think too what's kind of funny about spurs is i think it's almost like a hipster club to like like people <laughs> people that are the casual fans or like they don't really care like root for tottenham and mm-hmm. so that's kind of the move is to just root for that big six club. Uh, so yeah, it's, th- there are worse choices that you could have made and city's going to win the league again. And they're a phenomenal club and it just sucks to watch them win all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for validating that. I appreciate it. And it was interesting to hear about, uh, yeah, your rise to, to fandom for that. Um, guys, any last questions for Austin? I, I do A-box. have one last question. I'm going to preface by saying it's not just for Austin. This is a group bonding question. If that's cool with everybody. I'm going to go ahead and take it. That's you want cool. confirmation? Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. 
I right. said no with my head. I said no. I saw that. You were, <laughs> you were muted, so I'm gonna it's just unvalidate it, all right? God damn it. Anyways, if you were forced to eat a crayon, what color would you pick and why? Red. Why? Reminds me of penises. Green. Okay, um, that's that. Colin, that's that. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad answer. <laughs> red because of, of Cox. Oh man, what doesn't remind me of Cox these days? Um, <laughs> if I certainly not, I don't know. I don't think it matters. They're all going to taste like shit. But you uh, can placebo green, green tastes better. I promise. Dude, I asked you have like, a lot of experience eating crayons. Yeah, Julian. Uh, unfortunately, not enough. Okay. Like, well, in just with how much confidence he has, I'm going to go with green too. Green, green, green. <laughs> yeah. so it seems like green is the consensus, and then we got red rocket over here. I asked my yeah. other my homie Colin, not Colin Morgan, but Colin Foy. Shout out Colin. Yeah, he said black, and he was set in his ways with black. Nah. Dude, that thought, on your tongue, like yeah, just, I was deeply disturbed. And how that. your teeth would look after that would be so gnarly. A black crayon. Red would look <laughs> like you were eating somebody's Penis. like flesh. <laughs> I think that'd be white, bro. <laughs> not the way I do it, bro. I'm not very good. A lot of Jesus. teeth. Yeah, very toothy. I regret bringing this question on the podcast. I don't, just, what, well, what I don't you, think you what, should. What about you, fucking wise guy? What color would you pick? Fuck, man. I don't know. I, I guess I've never actually considered it. Um, God, this kid. He well, never like has a, an answer for a, his own question. Like a, like a teal, like a teal or like a nice scarlet color. Mm. So teal, scarlet, red. Yeah. Scarlet red, yeah. So red, but red. So yeah, fuck your red, Colin. God damn it! All right. That way, if I throw up later, it looks like I threw up blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I that's like I used when? to get. Yeah, when that's how I used to get out of going to school when I was a kid. I just throw up crayons. red crayon in front of my mom. <laughs> First thing in the morning, I put a bunch of crayons under my pillow, and I know that yeah. when I wake up, I gotta eat like seven of these. <laughs> God, that makes waking <laughs> up on a Monday way more difficult. Not only is it the start of the week, but I put down seven crayons. <laughs> <laughs> what is the strangest thing y'all have eaten? Dicks. I don't it's think that that's that very strange. I think that <laughs> there's a large true. population of, of people that have eaten dicks. Quail, mm. quail. <laughs> you have? have you actually eaten quail? Yeah. How was it? Quail, quail egg or actual quail meat? Both, both, oh. yeah, both. It kind of tastes like chicken. Hmm. For me, uh, for me, I haven't been to. Uh, I'm not necessarily a picky eater. I am. I don't eat meat anymore, so that limits what I uh, can eat as far as strange foods. But before I didn't eat meat, I was out with Keith, and one time we were at a, a Spanish restaurant, and we ate crickets, Keith. And uh, yeah, it, they were actually. Very good. They're well seasoned. Very. It was crunchy. on the guac, right? Be a great guac. way to replace right. cattle and agriculture is to have people eat crickets, but they're too set in their ways. Absolutely, you could yeah. them too. What? That's mm. <laughs> mm. yeah, a good source of protein. Julian, what was yours? Uh, I had an Arby's beef and cheddar a few weeks ago. <laughs> I was rough. <laughs> oh, that sounds first so time bad. I've ever had Arby's. I've oh, made, you picked, I made it. 
that long. Dude, you should have went with a Euro. I what they have Euros and they're awesome, dude. They're Euros. Fuck. Is it actually lamb meat that they put in them? I don't know. It's all horse, bro. Yeah, I I guess you don't know. It's Doug Dimmendorf. You're eating it all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the hat's for on the logo. Ah. no their euros are banging highly highly recommend interesting I'm, i don't think i've actually eaten weird food before yeah everything i've eaten is i've considered normal so i don't know my dad likens the roast beef at arby's to the paper that you get in between cheese slices from a deli and if that is not the most descriptive like like so oddly specific way to describe something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah do you regularly eat cheese paper? And he's like, no, I just know what that tastes like. I'm like, all right. I came out yeah. of your balls. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of coming out of balls. No, I'm just showing you. Um, <laughs> you amazing have segue. Amazing segue. <laughs> uh, I, like I said, don't eat meat anymore. So I, I haven't had Arby's in a while, but I do remember one time when I was younger, when I played hockey, the closest food establishment to the hockey rink was an Arby's. I remember that place call. Yeah, Cam, I'm sure was there. And um, we were like playing a tournament there and I had it in all day and I was starving. And as like a 10 year old, I do remember putting down close to 10 roast beef Arby sandwiches. <laughs> oh man. And I was surprisingly fine it's because you're yards yeah and it just played a bunch of hockey burning yeah, hella yeah. calories doing that yeah, yeah dude. And, and, dangerous. you know didn't shit more blood than usual so. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did your asshole look like you say it so nonchalant like <laughs> didn't shit more blood uh, than usual <laughs> <laughs> It's like that South Park episode where everybody's getting bloody diarrhea from Chipotle. Yeah, Chipotle away. Chipotle yeah. away. Yeah. And everyone's like, <laughs> dude, yeah. why are you shitting blood? It's like, it's just Chipotle. Well, then why would you keep eating it? Because it's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. I thought that was funny because uh, Chipotle always seemed like the. Uh, version of fast food burritos that wouldn't make you shit blood but i guess it's common enough for oh, fuck that no. it, it resonated on a south park episode so well you guys more chipotle or qdoba kind of people chipotle Ooh, i'm, I'm chipotle I've con- now i've converted yeah, since i've lived in this godforsaken state definitely yeah. used to be qdoba and now i'm chipotle but qdoba breakfast <laughs> baby Kidoba breakfast is so good. Kidoba breakfast yeah. slaps. That shit is too small. Why do they got to make breakfast portions smaller? It's like that's when you need protein the most. Yeah. Fuckers. I know. What dick? You should sue. Oh, I tried yeah, suing. I need to get a lawyer first, as it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm well versed in bird loss. Maybe I yeah. can help you out. <laughs> protein. Uh, there's, this, there's this place in Lincoln called Abelardo's that I've been hitting lately. And they have this spicy Diablo burrito. Dude, like two, three bites in, I am just sweating like I played two hours of pickup ball. And it's everything, man. And talk about something that's going to make you shit your britches. But it is so fucking good. That's how I feel about Panda Express. Every time I eat Panda (laughs) Express, my bowels 
wreak havoc for like a full 24 hours, but like it's so good. <sighs> I That's actually used to use Panda Express's fried rice to regulate myself in college. That was the one thing that did give me consistent firm poopies. Oh no, they're firm. It's like uh, <laughs> they're too firm. That's the problem. They like rip you apart when they're coming out. They're shitting bricks, aren't you? And then it feels, yeah, it feels like your stomach has like a chain, like just being pulled on the bottom of it. Is that just a me thing? I think you should mm. see a doctor. Yeah, I think. I, I think you just need it. your asshole waxed. Uh. That my ax my asshole is pretty waxy. Is that where you get the name Wax Romantics? It is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> are you fucking with me or is that for real? No, we are all uh, clean shaven like babies down there. Clean wax like babies down there. I get a daily mm-hmm. wax. Waxed and waxed. Yeah. We do it to each other on band practice. It's the second half of our practices. I have a wax I have a wax kit. Mm-hmm. I have to. <laughs> I might have to. I have to. I'll dabble. send you a picture after this. <laughs> yeah, I have. I, I, I would have be videos from very offended actually. if you didn't send me a picture immediately. Don't even wait for me to hop off. Just send it now. I'll, I'll just go it, ahead my and just Zoom take my pants off quick. right now. <laughs> you have a Tor browser? I can send it to you on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've gotten flagged way too much on Instagram for DMing those to to fans. That used to be our thing. It would be follow for a waxed asshole picture. My thing is just like... have to guess which one it was, and we'd send you a free sticker. Here's what you do. Get on the Wax Romantics Instagram. DM everyone that follows us and just be like, yo, can I have 20 bucks? (laughs) You'll make money. You'll make money. I guarantee it. That's what other people seem to be doing because I get asked for money so often on the Wax (laughs) Romantics account. I think people think might maybe think we're doing well. We're not. (laughs) <laughs> well that's that's kind of what i was gonna say is like uh you were saying like in your rap career i'm like i mean it's kind of a hobby i got like 80 people <laughs> to listen to me on on spotify like, <laughs> it's more of a more of something i dabble in but <clears throat> oh man it's it's gonna grow you're gonna like for people who are listening definitely check it out it, it, it is going to grow, man, and you're going to get a following for sure. I feel like I have that it, it's, luxurious it's Wax Romantics crossover. Yeah, definitely. You're going to get a good portion of our fan base. You know, we have 20 people regularly listening to this podcast, assuming 5% of them and check out the mixtape. You do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Julian's That's mom will check out the mixtape, I'm sure. Dude, my uh, mother in law listens to it, and it's so weird. She's like, I That's love funny. it. Like, it's so good. I'm like, really? Just me talking about like smoking weed at your house and <laughs> your daughter. Like, that's... <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess she's like, yeah, she's easy to listen daughter. to. She's like, I wish sometimes you'd have topics that were, you know, a little different, <laughs> like yeah. subject matter. And I'm like, that ain't gonna change. <laughs> That's funny. It's gonna sometimes get worse. It's just me. Sometimes my girlfriend's mom will like something on Instagram. I'm like, oh yeah, like this stuff exists in reality. Like people are checking this out. It always is kind of a, a slight panic moment. You know, I'm proud of this podcast only because we put up, but it is sometimes funny to be like, yeah. oh yeah, like this isn't just for us. I finally stuck my neck out and sent it to my coworkers because like I never had shared with my coworkers in the two almost two and a half years that I've been here uh, to be like, 
oh yeah, I actually like do this. And I, I was like, fuck it. This is, this is good enough. I'm sending it to them. Like it's in a good spot. And I'm like, they're all going to know how much of a fucking stoner weirdo I am. <clears throat> and some of them are like, oh, this is actually, actually pretty good. Like I'm quite impressed. I couldn't do this. I'm like, shit, I know you could. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting here. Cause yeah, I, um, uh, now some of my coworkers are on to wax romantics, um, just because I don't know, they found on Facebook, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it always takes me off guard when I'm in a zoom meeting talking about something boring. And mm-hmm. someone's like, Oh yeah, checked out a uh, wax romantics. The best is when you have somebody that doesn't know, like, but they hear it and they're like, this is you. Mm-hmm. Like, no way. Like, this is you. That's, that's the feeling. That's when you know, you're like, I fucking made it. Like yeah. they, they heard my SoundCloud. They played it twice. I got like 14 listens, man. I fuck. Mm. Watch out billboard. Watch yeah. out. No. Yeah. It is a great feeling. And like massive success is just a scaled up version yeah. of that. Well, of people being like, this is you. Yeah. Hey, you can also define massive su- success in your own way. Like, yeah, 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 definitely not to be that fucking guy or whatever, but I have another band that's not wax romantics where we haven't released music in a long time and we have like 10 12 monthly listeners but just that feels like a victory in itself considering the fact that we haven't released music in a long time and dude if even still people will be like you know i I checked out your shit finally and it's like okay cool yeah yeah. if one person likes your music dude it's and other than you like you should like your own music but if one person likes it i call that a success like my, my, one of my big goals was to just, like I said, get it to sound good. And it's like, now I, when I, people are like, Hey, that sounds like quote unquote professional as in like, it seems like an engineer actually mixed it and mastered it and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter if I have five listeners or 5 million or whatever. Like I make something that I enjoy and I think is crisp and is something that can be like stylistically <clears throat> and production wise played on the radio. I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good. I could die and never make any more music and be like, you know what? I did a lot of stuff that I wanted to do. And over the course of five, six years, I sound much better. And that's all that matters. Cause so much people blow up because they know somebody in the industry or they get lucky or people just like dumb shit and support their music. Like the fucking Island boys. Yeah. Or whatever. People get big <laughs> off of one thing. That's either. Yeah. So or memeable. So it's like, would I rather be famous for being a meme or would I rather just make shit that like some of my friends like, and I would choose the latter on that one every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, that's a great point. It is all about novelty today. Like if you, if there's something novel about you or like, like you said, memeable, yeah. that's what's I mean, catching on. And like, I'd take the money. Culture now. Like it'd be sick yeah, to be as rich as Drake or Post Malone or any of those, but I think the fame would suck ass. People asking you for shit all the time, never leaving you alone. Like they don't want to know the real you. They just want this idea of you. Like, I don't want to be a big famous rapper. I just want a lot of people to listen to my shit. So I get streams. Like that's, that's that fine line. Like I want to sit in that. I make about $50,000 a year off music. That's, that's like the highest level of success. I think that I could ever strive for. And it would be just sick as fuck. That's yeah. a good goal too. That's not like far fetched by any means either. Like you could totally get there. It's cool that that you're uh, like open about that too, and uh, that you have a tangible goal like that. Because um, I think a lot of people, like including myself, are kind of often coy 
or unsure about what they like want out of their creative endeavor. Um, so yeah, I think that's cool, man. Yeah. I mean, I get those feelings too. And like, I get those like, Oh, I just, I just won't make it anymore. And then like the next hour I'm like kicking around an idea for like a bar. I'm like, Oh, I should go write that down. So it's like, it's just something that we are, you know, like, I never likened myself as super musically inclined as a kid, which I hate so much and regret so much that I never like took piano lessons or did anything uh, really like that. I like took choir and stuff and didn't start taking it seriously until now, because I just think of how far behind I set myself. Like, yeah, I have this amazing hobby and this love that I will carry with me till I stop breathing. Like, that's awesome. But to be able to have that foundation from childhood would have just made it like tenfold better in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then you also hear about uh, the artists who is it goes both ways. I do like you hear about the pro, like child prodigies. And you're like, fuck, I'm not that. But then you also hear about people more like you're like, yeah, I didn't really give a shit. I just started making music in my like early 20s and then they're making amazing music. And you're like, that's cool, too, though. Mm -hmm. or like the jeff goldblums of the world who just make their nut in acting and then they're like you know i've been kicking around jazz piano for a little bit and then they release like a jazz album that just goes so fucking hard and you're just like what (laughs) what yeah that's sick (laughs) you can do that yeah good point well i mean then a bunch of albums sometime nba players now like all of them are rappers too because like basketball and hip-hop go together you know like freaking wine and cheese so so many of those guys like yeah they get to the league and stuff but music is their real passion and even if they'll never make even close to what they make playing basketball like they'll be rappers on the side forever i mean it's just it's just good that uh, that so many people take an interest in music and want to make it i think that's just an inherently good thing absolutely well i think that's a fantastic note to go out on uh, guys, round of applause for Alux. Clap for myself on that one. Thank you. <laughs> Please do. For coming yeah, on, thanks man. so much for being on the pod, man. We'd love to have you back uh, anytime soon. Okay. Anytime, dude. I I love talking with you guys. It's nice meeting you, Julian and Cam. Nice seeing you again, you, homie. Yeah, man. Good to Colin, always a pleasure. Don't hesitate to reach out if you guys ever want me to pop on. So, absolutely, dude. All right, thanks, man. Have a good night. Love you guys. Love you all. Take care. Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics.